Well, y'all, we're moving on in our study tonight. And this is the last chapter. And I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this. Of course, it, it's all been wonderful. But we're talking about how to obtain fullness of power. And we've talked about the power of the Word of God. We've talked about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We've talked about the power of the Holy Ghost. We've talked about the power of prayer. And tonight we're going to talk about the power of a surrendered life. Because the secret to receiving, I guess the condition to receiving the fullness of power, to the, the condition of receiving what God has for us to enable His people and strengthen His people and bless His people is going to be through a life that is yielded to the Lord. A life that's fully surrendered to the Lord. And we sung a lot of the songs we sang tonight. You know, take my life, let it be. Right? Consecrated, to, uh, Lord, unto Thee. I'll have no will. My will is only Yours. And we sang these songs. And uh, the, the, the key Scripture in this, this whole study has been from Psalm 62.11. God had spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Amen? It belongs to the Lord. True power is from God. And God gives liberally to men as He will. He gives to those that come to know Him, that are born again. Much of His power comes into our lives at salvation. But to walk in the fullness of it is what we're talking about here. And it's going to be a walk of faith. And it's going to be appropriating by faith the things that the Lord has for us. And... Uh, be strengthened, it says in Ephesians 3.16, with might by His Spirit in the inner man. So he's, Paul's writing that to a church in Ephesus. They're born again. They're already saved. But he tells the individual believers there, and we, we read from it as well, be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. God wants to build us up. God wants to strengthen us. How many of you need strength from the Lord? How many of you need power? I need Him just as much or more today as I did yesterday. And no matter how He strengthens us and, and builds us up today, we're going to be dependent upon the Lord tomorrow to strengthen us. Okay? But He has that. He doesn't run out of power. He's not running short on it and unable to give it to us or unwilling to give it to us. But I love this. The thought of this chapter will probably just be this week and next week on this, but the condition upon which that power is bestowed or given to men. The condition that upon which God bestows that on human beings is the condition that that individual is surrendered to Him. And we're, oftentimes we think of life as surrender is like a bad thing. You know, like if an army surrenders, you know they've lost, right? They've given up. They're going to be taken captive or killed or they lost and they lost whatever they thought was worth fighting for in the first place. And, um, but not when it comes to the Lord. The power that God wants to give us comes to the individual as we surrender. It's the one who's fighting against God. And even as a Christian, we can fight against God in certain areas in our life. Uh, that's where the weakness comes to us. That's not a strength to us. The power is going to come to us from yielding to the Lord. There again, we think of yielding as a bad thing. Somebody's got the upper hand and I have to yield to them. If it's a wrestling match or a boxing match or whatever, and you, you yield over to their because they're stronger or they're better or whatever, and, and you yield to them. 
And in life and in competition, that might be one thing. When it comes to the Lord, it is the yielded life, the yielded individual that is going to have the strength of God. Because we come to a point where we stop fighting in our own strength, which is getting us nowhere in the first place, and start fighting in His might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Brothers, he's already talking to Christians. That's not telling a lost man how to be saved. That's telling a saved man how to walk in power. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to look at two, two scriptures from Romans chapter 3. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6. Let's look at verse 13. Romans 6, 13. Neither yield yourself, ye yourselves, your, I'm sorry, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, because we are, right? We're born again, we're alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Isn't that a wonderful scripture? There's a lot being said there. And it tells me also that we have a choice. Yielding is a choice, right? You can fight against God all your life, and there are people that do. And like I said, we shake our little fist at God and said, I refuse, like Pharaoh did, okay? Even with all the plagues that came upon Egypt, uh, he still refused to bow before the Lord. He refused to yield. And it cost him the destruction of his own life, you know, his firstborn in his home. Egypt was basically, at that point, their army was wiped out. A lot of things uh, that it cost him, not to mention his eternity being with the Lord. But let's, you have a choice whether or not you're going to yield to God. I have a choice. We have a choice when it comes to salvation, saying I'm going to yield to the Lord. Amen. That's the wisest choice we'll ever make. But then we have choices every day to yield to God or not yield to God. Yielding to the Lord or not yielding to the Lord. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Couldn't all of us right now, uh, we leave, we go home, and we could yield ourselves to some particular sin. Maybe it's a sin we struggle with. Maybe it's a sin we're most prone to enjoy or like or we're having more of a bent to. But we could yield to that thing. Or we could not. It says, do not do that. The strength comes from God. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members, that would be your body, as instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse uh, 22 but now being made free from sin, that's important that we see that. Again, that's not a lost person. This is a saved man or woman. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So that's the yielded life. That's the yielded life that's going to have, that's free from, from sin, alive from the dead, and that is yielding to God. There's fruit unto holiness. God is making us holy. God is working in our lives. I don't want to yield myself to sin. Even though the sin may be tempting. Even though there's pleasure in sin for a season. Uh, even though it looks enticing. By the Holy Ghost, I have the mind of Christ. And I know better. I know that it's, it's fake. I know that it's a lie. 
I know that there's deception to it. I know that the wages of sin is death. And so I, I want no part of it, even though if my flesh may want a part of it. I'm not governed by my flesh. I'm yielded to God and the Holy Spirit in me. And there is power in that. There is power in the weakest person to overcome the strongest temptation because of Christ in us. Amen? And so uh, the greatest secret of this blessed power is to yield yourselves to God. You know what the word yield means? There might be a few different dif definitions, but pretty much it's summed up in this definition, yield, which we see in the Bible more than once. Uh, it means to put at one's disposal. To put at one's disposal. And so, put yourself at God's disposal is what it's saying when it says yield yourselves unto God. Put yourself wholly at His disposal. Don't say, Lord, you can have between 10.30 and 11. You know, and do with me what you will there. Okay? Or you can have my weekends, or you can have Sunday. Uh, to put yourself at one's disposal. In other words, surrender yourself to be God's property. Surrender yourself to be God's possession for Him. And to do with you and to do with my life as He will and to use me as He will. So a young person might ask, or a college-age person might ask, or whatever, uh, what, what do I want to do with my life? And you could fill that in with a lot of things, but really there's only one right answer to that, is I'm going to yield myself to God. I'm going to surrender fully to the Lord. And then He's got a whole new life in front of me. He's got a whole new uh, door that's opened up to me of life and experience in the Spirit and in Christ. And uh, it's going to be wonderful. But that's the only wise thing. If you want to know what's the wisest thing I can do, what's the wisest thing I can do, it would be surrender yourself to God. The wisest thing you can do. Yield yourself to the Lord. Because the one who does this and surrenders themselves fully to the Lord and says, God, you can do with my life what you want. That's the one who has basically ensured the most blessed life he could possibly live. Everybody's got their individual life. We have choices to make. We still have a will. okay? But that will that we have now as a believer is to be yielded over to Him. I defer to Him. I yield to Him. In everything. The big things, the medium-sized things, the little things, I yield to God. The one who surrenders fully to God is going to be the one who's free. The one who surrenders fully to God is, is going to be the one who's put himself or herself in the position to have the most blessed life they could ever live. And we just had a bunch of graduations, high school graduations and college graduations. And there's always the little speeches about, you know, if you can dream it, you can be it and go out and take the world and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the wisest thing a person can do is give themselves to God. It's wise. Because they, they want joy in their life. Well, who doesn't want joy in their life? They want a life that's not wasted and has a purpose to it. Well, who doesn't want that? They want a life that's fulfilled. They want to make sure they don't miss out on something that they should have had. The wisest choice, the only choice that's going to fulfill all of that is going to be, okay, God, I put myself in your hands. 
you know, my left foot, my right foot, I'm putting it all up in your hands. And I'm letting you take it from here forward. I've, I've been a sinner. You saved me by your grace. And you actually purchased me with your blood. I don't belong to myself anymore. It's, that's the wisest choice that a person can make. And what we have done when we do that is we have secured for ourselves the blessings of God. I would say minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, okay, year by year, and over the long haul of a lifetime. And God blesses our life. And God, you know how He blesses? He blesses us in ever increasing ways. In other words, you're blessed when you get saved, but you only just know a little bit, really. You know enough to get saved. Praise God. And hallelujah for that. If you died, you're going to heaven. You're His child. And, and you're, uh, the seed is in you. The seed of Christ is in you. But that seed is to grow. And so everything comes to us in increasing measures. There's new, new doors open. We see this much, okay? We're looking at this. This much spiritual light. And we're following after it, thank God. And as we do, we, it broadens. And it opens up. And there's wider light. And there's deeper depths in, in knowing Christ. And in our prayer lives. And in overcoming sin. And victory and temptation. And joy and peace. And a burden for souls. It's ever increasing. It's ever increasing. And when we surrender and yield to God fully, He's going to ensure that that comes to us in an ever-increasing way. We'll never be dissatisfied. I know I've said it before. I remember when I, when I lived a compromising life as a Christian during my days at LSU, and I regret that. You know what I'm saying? It's like when, when it's over, because I knew better. I knew I wasn't stupid. I was just rebellious. Okay? And when I surrendered to the Lord fully, looking back, I'm saying, wow, that's basically five years of my Christianity that I can't get back. I didn't witness to anybody. I never want anybody to the Lord. You know, and I think I regret that. I do. Now, God's forgiven me. I don't live in the past and I don't dwell on that. But I've never met anybody that lived for God that regretted living for God. I regretted not living fully for God even though I knew Him. But I've never regretted since that day, even though I've been through trials, hard trials, uh, and had hard times in my life, I've never said, you know, I wish I hadn't served God. It's blessed. The power comes, the blessings come through yielding ourselves to the Lord. Okay? So if anybody was to say, what's the one thing that I can do? Uh, surrender to God. What's the one thing I can do if I want to know what God has for my life. Do you want to know what God has for your life? It's a big question, especially I said, you know, I think for, for younger people, but for all of us, because God's not finished with any of us. But uh, it would be surrender completely to the Lord. Absolutely to the Lord. Basically, we say, Heavenly Father, uh, from here on out, I have no will of my own. Your will be done in me and through me and by me and regarding me in all things. I put myself unreservedly in thy hands. It's a wonderful prayer. We have to ask God to help us to mean it. Okay? And he can help us to mean it. And so we surrender to the Lord in that way. Now do with me just what you want to do. Doesn't Jesus say, if any man will? Because the will is still there. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself 
that's surrendering to God, take up his cross, that's identifying ourselves in death with Christ's death on Calvary, dead to this world and alive unto God, and follow me. And so if any man will, I want to look at a scripture just real quickly. In Mark chapter 1, let's look at verses 19 and 20. The Lord's calling two men. They weren't his disciples at this time, but he's calling them. They had a choice to make. John, I mean Mark 1, 19 and 20. And when he had gone a little farther, thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Okay? So there was a calling, they had a will, they chose to follow the Lord. From that day forward, were they perfect? No. Were they perfect in their faith? No. Did they ever fail God again? Yes. Some notable times that we'll, we'll see. But from that day forward, they followed God. And from that day forward, they walked in His power, and I would say an ever-increasing measure of power. They had Pentecost would come. They would receive more power and things like that. But there's a call and there's a surrender. And there's a call not only for you to give your life to Christ to be born again, there's a call in your life and in my life every waking moment to surrender and yield to His will. Because the flesh is contrary to the Spirit. It says in Galatians, so, and, and does not want to cooperate and is not going to cooperate with God or the things of God. So we have to yield to Him. Amen? So, the, what, what would make a person that's a Christian, a believer, for example, not want to yield to God? We kind of have to think about it because if we're honest in some areas of our life, we may not be fully yielded to God. So why is it that I'm not yielded to God? Am I, why am I hesitant to yield everything to God? And we need to see that but, and understand that there's really whatever argument we would have is just blown away with a, a puff of smoke. It's just nothing. The arguments don't hold up to the promises we have in God's Word and from His character and what He promises to them that love Him. You know what I'm saying? I have not seen or ear heard the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. And so when we yield fully to the Lord and put ourselves in His hands, God's always going to do what's best for us. He that's infinite love, He that's infinite wisdom, and has infinite power, He's going to do the very, very best for your life. I need to remind myself of that. I need to believe that by faith. That I should have no fear or hesitancy to surrender myself fully to God. Some little area that we're hanging on to, okay, still holding on to this so tight. And God said, let it go. Give it to me. Give it all to me. Don't take it back. I can handle it. My hands are big enough. My shoulders are broad enough. My power is great enough. I love you enough. Would you trust me with this? And would you trust me with all? And we just all we can do is fall before the Lord, maybe trembling, but fall before the Lord and say, yes, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I give it to you. I give him to you. I give her to you. I give that uh, my plans in future that I, that I thought I was going to 
have and was working so hard for, I give it to you. And him that is absolute love, which is the Lord, is going to do the best for you and do the best for me. Amen? We might not see it at the time. There might be a moment or a time or a, a period where you're surrendering to the Lord or you surrendered everything to God and you're wondering, okay, where's the blessings? You know, where, where's the, the peace and the joy and the power and all the blessed life? It's going to come. Sooner or later, God's going to start imparting it to you, revealing it to you. He is going to. He's not a liar and He doesn't fail. And so He's going to bring that to pass. Amen? And so let's look at some of the, what are some of the things that come to the life of the individual that surrendered fully to God? I want you to look at this first. John 7, verse 17. John 7, 17. If any man will do his will, notice we keep coming across this word, will. If a man will do God's will, that means it's possible for a man not to do God's will. But if any man will do his will, then that man, here's a blessing, shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So there's a blessing right there just in knowledge of spiritual things and of doctrine. You can have somebody that's recently saved, hasn't been saved long at all, that really has a handle on sound doctrine. They might not could tell you the Scripture verse where it comes from, but they'll know this is the character of God. He's called me to live a holy life. He forgives me when I sin. They might not have had time to be taught those things in a Bible study. But they have a good grasp on this is not sound doctrine. You're not speaking, speaking rightly of the God of the Bible. You're not speaking rightly of my Savior. This, I know in my heart, I know in my spirit is sound doctrine and to walk in that. And, and how does that come? It comes when the will is surrendered to obedience to Christ. It doesn't come in a debate where two people, neither one doing the will of God, they're going to argue to wonder if that's sound doctrine or not. It's the one that's yielded sound doctrine and yielded to Christ. He's going to know this is sound doctrine. It tells me that right here. You could say it's a miracle. Amen, it's a miracle. It's a blessing from God. But let's look at it again. If any man will do his will, if any man will do the will of the Father, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Was Jesus, if anybody would obey the Lord and yield to the Lord, they would know that Christ was the Son of God. They would know He came to be the Savior of the world. We don't have to look for another. Like John the Baptist sent some of his disciples, are you the one, Jesus, or do we look for another? If anybody would do God's will, they would know that Christ was the anointed one. They would know it in their heart. Like Simon Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed it to you. Simon was walking in obedience to God at that point. He had left his nets. He had left all that and he was following Christ. He forsook his nets and he followed the Lord. He was obeying God and as he obeyed the Lord, he knew the doctrine. Seems like they're unrelated, but they're not unrelated. The rebel's not going to know sound doctrine. The mocker's not going to know sound doctrine. 
He's not yielded to God. If he's yielded to God, he's going to be very clear and plain. Maybe I don't know the exact scripture. Maybe I do. But I know this is of God and this isn't. Amen? That's a blessing that comes to the yielded life. If any man will do his will. And so the knowledge of spiritual truth. You can write that down. What is one of the blessings? There's thousands of them. But for our purposes tonight, what's one of the blessings that comes to a yielded or surrendered life to Christ? Knowledge of spiritual truth. Or knowledge of truth. It comes when the will is surrendered to the Lord. Uh, Nothing so clears up our, our spiritual understanding or what's foggy or hazy as being surrendered to God fully. You might have a thousand questions about your future and about maybe the Bible and, and all kinds of things, but when the will is fully surrendered to God, so much of that is just cleared up. It really is. And what you were struggling over is all of a sudden fixed. It's clearly answered. and You didn't have to fight for the answer. I just submitted to God. And when I submitted to God, the fog lifted. The confusion lifted. I was really torn between these two and I don't know why. It's so clear now. This is, this is the right way to go. This is the right thing to do. You know what I'm saying? God just clears it up. And uh, God is light, the Bible says, and in Him is no darkness. So our surrender opens our eyes to more light, more spiritual light. Um, I want to read a quote from Tori in this book. Nothing so blinds the spiritual vision as self-will or sin. So think about that. Nothing so blinds spiritual vision as self-will or sin. So you're struggling to try to, gosh, I've been, I've been counseling this person or discipling this person or witnessing this person for five years and we're back at square one. Every time the phone rings, every time there's a text, we're back at the exact same spot and your heart goes out to them. But the, nothing so blinds it as self-will are they doing? Are they already walking in the light that they have? Walk in the light that you have, you will get more light. <clears throat> we won't have to still be here uh, on point A. We can move on to point B. God will move you on there. You'll stay struggling with point A from now to your 150 if you don't submit yourself fully to God. Well, I have to understand it all perfectly. No, you don't. You have to trust God perfectly. And then spiritual understanding comes. He makes a comment here that says, uh, Surrender to the Lord brings us at once into harmony with all truth. It's pretty, pretty neat. Huh? Surrender to God um, at once brings us into harmony with all truth. Doesn't mean we, we know it all perfectly, but we're like walking in the truth. We're not against it. We're not at odds with it. We're not wrestling with it. Um, there's been there have been people that have struggled with understanding things from God's Word or just even the whole picture about serving God and walking with God and they've surrendered to God and it's been cleared up. It just clears it up. Uh, he goes on to make the point that an unsurrendered will lies, lies at the back of almost every or all the skepticism that's in the world. An unsurrendered will. I mean, the prodigal son was walking in his own will, wasn't he? He knew what was going on. 
He knew his father. He knew his older brother. He knew what was going to be his in inheritance. He knew all that. He didn't want that. He didn't want give me my inheritance now and I'm going to hit the road. It was just self-will. But he came to himself and he humbled himself. There's a whole lot in that story that's spiritual. And he repented. And he went back home. But the will had to be broken. Or it had to be surrendered. It had to be humbled over to God. And it's when his will was surrendered over that things were restored. And not just physically back home, but like in a right relationship with his father, in appreciation of what he had that was always his, that he didn't even know it was all his. All that was like instantly restored in basically one act of, I'm going to surrender my will. I will arise. I'll go to my father. I will say, my Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I will do this. He's going to do what's right. He's going to do what's of God. And all things that the light opens up, the life is restored. It's not as good as it was before. It's what it should have been all along. It was restored. And so uh, we need to yield ourselves to God. If somebody, Let's say you're witnessing to somebody. And you've been witnessing to them for a long time. Praise God that you are. But maybe they're filled with doubts and questions. They don't know what they believe. They don't know if they believe it's true. They don't know what they believe. If they would yield to what they do know. Yield to what I'm telling you. Yield to what you know about the Lord. They'd be amazed how it would be cleared up. And they would walk in that. And so... Uh, these truths, the deep truths and everything, it's all cleared up by surrendered will. Uh, the, the deep things of God are not investigated and found out with our intellect. The deep things of God are revealed to us by the Spirit. The Bible says in, I think, Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. <laughs> secret is secret, but when you really look it up, it means the, deep, the intimacy Deep intimacy with God is with them that fear Him. God's going to reveal Himself to those that fear Him and walk with Him. And so, uh, there's a scripture in a Matthew. You don't have to turn that. I'll read it. The only one who can see these spiritual things is the one whose eyes cleared up by surrender to God. If therefore thine eye be single, Jesus said, thy whole body shall be full of light. Your eyes single. I'm just looking at the Lord. I'm just going to do what He says. I'm not divided. My heart's not divided. My loyalty's not divided. My devotion's not divided. My attention's not divided. If thy eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. Surrender to the Lord. That's where the knowledge comes. That's where the knowledge of spiritual things comes. Comes direction that we're seeking. We're so confused. But we're not obeying God. Yield to Him and obey Him in what you do know to be true and watch how He opens the door. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Will you surrender to the Lord? Amen. Will you, will I yield myself fully to God and say, God, do with me what you will? I don't know if we've all come to that point. I can't say that I fully have. I guess I can do that as much as I can do that. As much as I know at this time. And maybe tomorrow God will show me you thought you surrendered all, but you're still holding on to this. And I wanted to show me that if I haven't. But everything He does show you, 
and everything he does show me, I need to yield to God. And I want to yield to the Lord. Everyone that's done this, like I said, their doubts are cleared up. Their doubts are cleared up because God brings that spiritual light. All right, what's another thing that uh, yieldedness to God? And we'll probably just cover this one tonight. We, we did that whole section on prayer, power of prayer that comes. And uh, I want you to look at this verse with me. Look at 1 John. This is a great verse. We ought to highlight this in our Bibles. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. Look at the look at the promise there, the statement, the spiritual truth that's being spoken here. First John three twenty two, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Why? How? It says because we keep His commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Now we do that by faith. Did our whole series on faith on Sunday mornings. We do that by faith. We do it not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. But nevertheless, we do it. We are, uh, we do have a will, even as believers. We make choices to obey God or disobey God. And he says here, this has to do with the answer prayer. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Is that not a yielded will? We keep his commandments. We do those things that are pleasing in His sight. I don't live to please men. I don't live to please myself. I'm fully yielded to pleasing God. I do those things. I don't just think about it. Wouldn't it be nice? I keep His commandments. And I do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And so the, the answer prayers come through this. Um, and to me, basically, it's, a prayer, it's our prayers that would be all for God's glory. It really is I want for the Lord's glory. I want it to be pleasing in your sight. I want to be pleasing in your sight. And if what I'm asking the Lord is not pleasing in His sight, He's not going to grant me that. And I'm glad He doesn't. And if it's not for His glory, but for my own glory, James says we're asking amiss, that we may consume it upon our own lust. That's not for His glory. He's not going to grant me that. But when I pray according to His will, not my will, and do those things that are pleasing in His sight and walk in obedience. It's just simple obedience. This is not something where you just have to uh, grit your teeth every day and hate it. We walk in simple obedience to God. Just walk in what you know to be His will. And when He shows you something where you've erred or I've erred or sinned, I ask Him to forgive me, but I don't only want Him to forgive me. I want Him to strengthen me in that area so I don't keep on walking in disobedience in that area. Lord, I want to be pleasing in your sight. I have a hard time here. Because I know you have a hard time here. I'm going to help you. Make it a matter of prayer. Pray fast. Do whatever He tells me to do. And He'll strengthen me in that area. But is that not a specific golden promise for the prayer of the believers? Whatsoever we ask of Him, we receive. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Whatever the prayer is, no matter how great or small, there's not one prayer that would go unanswered to be in God's timing, but there's not one prayer that would go unanswered when to, to this one. Living in God's will and praying according to God's will. That's a life that's in, entirely surrendered to the Lord. And y'all, it's going to be 
the one who's doing his will as revealed in his word. How do I know what's pleasing in his sight? It's not totally subjective. It's not different from Sherry than it is for D or than it is for me. Uh, we know from the will of from the word of God. It's not just subjective. And so God may call her to something specifically as far as a ministry or something, but we all know from the, from the revealed our, the revealed will from His revealed Word, and and it's a life that's going to be wholly given to God's disposal to use as He wants to. Amen. So if you're wondering what's the secret to overcoming prayer and prevailing prayer, this would have to be one of them for sure. We keep His commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in His sight. I'm praying and praying and praying and praying. I'm, just, I'm begging God. And, and this just isn't happening. And He's saying, I know, I'm trying to get your attention. You're not doing those things that are pleasing in my sight. And you're not keeping my commandments. Do those. And like it says in 1 John 3.22, I'll move and answer your prayers. We have to see that. We need to get those things straight. Let God show us. And so... Uh, we have to be able to say that. We have to be able to say, well, why could John say it and, and he receives it, but we don't? Well, am I living like John lived? John the Apostle, am I living like he lived? A lot of people are puzzled why their prayers aren't answering, and this could be the reason because, the reason why they're not. Um, Jesus said, I, uh, there's an Old Testament scripture like a. a uh, messianic psalm in Psalm 48 where Jesus said I delight to do thy will oh my, oh my God yea thy law is within my heart I delight to do thy will oh my God your will I delight to do your will your law is within my heart so it's all written in our hearts as well when we're saved the law is written on our hearts and we fulfill it by walking by faith in Jesus and his commandments are not grievous like we've talked about. They're not burdensome. They're not miserable. Am I saying it's always easy? No. Am I saying your flesh always wants to cooperate? Certainly not. But they're not burdensome. They're not miserable. Oh, I hate this serving God. You know, that's kind of how Israel was in Isaiah's day. And in uh, Jeremiah's day. Uh, they, they bring their feast and they would bring their offerings and they despised it. They literally hated doing it. They wanted to get back to their groves and the Baal and all their sin out there. They would do it. Formally, they would go through the motions and do it all. But they despised it. Guess what? God despised it. I'm sick of your offerings. I've had it up to here with your offerings. Away with your offerings. I despise them. Okay? Uh, he wants us to, like the Lord, to light, to delight, to do His will. Jesus uh, says in Psalm 37, 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. My part is to delight myself in God. I can't do both parts of that. Delight yourself in the Lord. Can I do that? I can. By faith. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me to find my delight in You. Help me to find my delight in You and solely and wholly in You and not in other things of the world. I can do that part. Delight thyself also in the Lord and He. This is what He will do. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you holy, pure desires. And then He'll fulfill those desires 
when they're holy and pure and they're His. I desire a wife. Well, amen. God wants you to have a wife too. He that desire, you know, has a wife has a good thing and a gift from the Lord. Uh, and so we do our part, trust the Lord to do what He says He'll do. Jesus said when He was about to raise John from uh, Lazarus from the dead, Thou hearest me always. We say, oh, well, He's God's Son. God would always hear Him. Well, yeah, I would agree with that. But I don't think that's the only reason. Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. Jesus said, I do always those things that please my Father. So, yes, He was God's Son, but He also lived that life as a man. Never stopped being God, but He was man. He lived his life, his life as a man in a full and perfect, the only one who ever did or could, full, perfect obedience to the Lord. And He says, I know that you always hear me. And then He raised from the dead. He's about to pray and about to do that. Uh, my will, he's, my meat, he said to his disciples, is to do the will of him that sent me. There's one more scripture. Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And that's, a, that's another messianic psalm. It's fulfilled or, or requoted in Hebrews. Speaking of Jesus, he came to do the will of the Father. And so, George Mueller, it seems like we, we talk about him a lot, and I'll close with this, this thought. Uh, Mid-1800s in, in England, he was a poor man, and God called him to start these orphanages. And he, he said the primary reason for doing it, of all the things, well, I want to help the, the children, or you know, I feel sorry for the kids. The, the, the primary reason is he wanted it to be a testimony for God. He says that. He has some memoirs that he's written. And, and we have them. And uh, we, you know, I was listening to this on a, on a CD. And it said that his, he wanted to do it for a testimony for the Lord to show how God could do it through a poor man. And how literally how God could supply the needs, the physical needs of all of these thousands and thousands of homeless children to have lost one or both parents through him a poor man who had literally had nothing he wanted to be for the glory of God to take care of all these children he wanted them to come to know Christ and to share the love of God and instill in them a fear of God and, and so forth no doubt about it but the primary reason was he wanted to wanted to be a testimony for the Lord because he had a, he said he had a lot of friends that he witnessed to and they, they couldn't trust God fully. They just couldn't trust Him. So he wanted them to see an example. You can trust God. And he lived an unusual life of he never asked anybody for a dime. I know you all have heard a lot of this before, but okay, it's still wonderful to hear. Uh, he never asked anybody for a penny and it, every need was met. Never went up and had a fundraising drive. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying this is how God did for him. Never asked him, he, how, did he, how did he receive it all? He says through prayer. He went to God in prayer. He labored in prayer. He, labored, he prayed for the workers to come in. He prayed for the money to come in, the meals to come in, the housing, the furniture, even the kids. You know, bring the homeless kids. He prayed for all of it. And he said, and we'll close with this thought. He, he said at the beginning, What's his secret to prayer? How did he receive 
what he received. It was amazing what he did, what God did for him and through him. But his secret to prayer was he said, he said, now I might be paraphrasing it. He said out at the very beginning when he went to the Lord in prayer to have no will of his own. Just right off the bat, I want to get that out of the way. I'm coming to the Lord in prayer. I want him to show me what to pray, how to pray, what to pray for. I want no will of my own. I'm not coming with a grocery list and saying, here God, you got to fill it. Your, your word says you have to answer my prayer. I'm not nearly that way. I need God to help me in that area. Okay, but that was his first secret to prayer. In prevailing prayer, he set out at the very beginning to have no will of his own. I want to ascertain what God's will is, what his heart is, and I want to pray in accordance to that. And he says as he, when, he, when he would get to that point, and God was faithful to bring him to that point, if never once was there a failure in God's sin of the answer. Not one time. So I want us to close with that. I have, uh, I just can't think of anything better than, than that. There's no one in here tonight that could not have a life of overcoming prayer like George Mueller. I cannot say that I do. But there's nothing limiting me from having that type of prayer life other than me. There's nothing in the Bible that says 10% of the Christians are going to have that kind of prayer life. Or 1%. Hey, God, would to God that we would all have that kind of prayer life. I don't think God would be uh, disappointed at all in how He would want to work in us, for us, through us, and right what is all for His glory, for the glory of God. That's how Jesus was. All for the glory of the Father when He was on this earth. And so I'm just going to open up the altars. Uh, the altar is open. Dee's going to play, and I want to just close with that thought. We're talking about a surrendered life and what comes to us and will only come to us through a life that's fully yielded to God. So Lord, we just come before you tonight.